All right, ladies, gentlemen, germs, and everybody else, welcome back to Ruben Uncut. And uh, today I'm here to talk about a little movie called Evil Dead Rise. Now, this is, strictly speaking, not technically a review. This is going to be exceptionally, exceptionally spoilery, like incredibly spoilery, because this it's really more of an essay if I, someone made an essay without writing it down. Because today, I'm here to talk about Evil Dead Rise and how it's clearly about abortion. I'm, or at least I'm pretty confident that Evil Dead Rise is about abortion. Is it pro-life? Is it pro-choice? Um, I would lean towards pro-life, although, as I'm going to go over, I think its messaging and uh, subtext are muddled, to say the least. Now, I know what you're like. Ruben, are you saying you're not reviewing this movie? And I'm going to be honest. Okay, here's my quick review. Evil Dead Rise is an effectively violent and occasionally a little scary horror movie. It's not as scary as the previous Evil Dead movie, to which it is, I believe, a sequel, although it's not entirely clear. And uh, basically, it involves the finding of one of three books of the dead, um, not the one that they find in the first movie or the, or the ones with Ash. Now, I will say that these newer movies have to work a lot harder and be actually be scarier than the previous Evil Dead movies because the previous Evil Dead movies were a little bit more of a power fantasy, running off the fact that uh, uh, Ash is just, you know, goddamn 80s, early 90s action hero set in a horror setting as opposed to like being a commando somewhere. But uh, these movies don't have that. So they have to work harder and be scarier because people aren't tuning in to see Bruce Campbell at this point. You hear what I'm saying? If you have any major desire to see this movie, now is the time to stop watching this video, go watch the movie, <coughs> and come back to me about uh, why you agree or disagree. And by that, I mean, you know, watch, watch the rest of this afterwards or listen to it. I'm going to be using a lot of clips from the movies, so, you know, watching it, probably more relevant. I'm not, but this will be heavily, heavily spoilery. Heads up. Before I get in, uh, all right, so let's start talking about it. First off, I want to address something. Horror movies have long been a purveyor of conservative social values. Uh, why do you think horror movies predominantly circle around the concept of bad or naughty behavior? Oh, kids smoking pot and having sex. What well, better watch out or some monster will get you for having sex. It's just like old fairy tales that you used to tell your kids to make them behave. That's what horror movies really are about. We've just, we've totally lost sense of it. And now we just, you know, love to see people's heads explode. All right, but back to the movie. So the question becomes, how is this movie about abortion? Well, 
let's get right into it. Now, the first off, the movie opens with characters who are basically there to be murdered, but also possibly set up the sequel. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we first meet our main character, this is this is how we meet them. I lied. We will not be seeing any of the visuals because uh, HBO Max pretty good at stopping you from taking clips from their fucking page via Zoom. So as we join our main character, they are backstage at a concert in a bathroom attempting to pee. Now, they're drinking the water rice, they're getting ready to pee, which says they don't really understand how water passes through your system. The first thing we see is them peeing on a pregnancy test indicating to us that she is pregnant. Give me five, all right? Brad, this was in his shit. You can't find the strap from one of my arm wrestling contests last night? Already tuned in rack stage left, like I told you it was half an hour ago. You feeling a run in there? I'm fine. I'm in the station. I'll be back before curtains up. You got it, boss. She was a pregnancy test. And even though it doesn't show us, she now knows that she is prego. Now, in case you couldn't put it together, her job, our main character's job, is that uh, she is like the head roadie or guitar technician uh, that tours with a band. She's somewhere in Asia at this point. I don't know. I don't remember. But the point is, is that she is pregnant and she lives a more alternative, unfeminine lifestyle as a roadie. The film then takes us to, uh, to, her, to her sister in America and her sister's family. Now, there are several things worth noting about the sister and her family. First of all, the sister is a tattoo artist which is kind of alternative. So that's, one, so that's the first thing. And then we meet the main characters, nieces and nephew. The first girl in the movie has, uh, has a very short haircut. I don't know if that means anything. And the boy has, uh, has earrings and is a DJ. And I don't know if that means anything. And the little girl is, well, actually, she's just kind of a little girl. Well, except for the fact that when we first meet her, she is, and I really wish I could show you the clip of this, but HBO Max is a lot trickier than I expected. But uh, when we meet the little girl, she's cutting the head off a baby doll. Cassie, you better not have my scissors. <laughs> Cassie totally had the scissors. Uh, this scene is interesting for several reasons because it sets up two different weapons that uh, someone will be murdered with. Uh, the first, of course, being the scissors. The other one being the baby doll head itself, which is promptly stuck on a stick. The stick gets broken and has a sharp pointy end, which later leads to a death. But I want to make note here that the first thing we see in this film of the little girl is her cutting the head off a baby. Reference to child dismemberment number one. And yes, when I say reference number one, 
the implication is there's going to be more. Oh, I almost forgot. The mom is also going through a divorce. So this family has, is a kind of being depicted as being very liberal, but also uh, not exactly living their way, their lives according to conservative norms. The sisters initially clash over the fact that uh, that uh, rock star roadie sister has uh, not been keeping in touch and totally missed the fact that her sister was going through a tough divorce. Oh, well, that leads to this scene. What's going on with you, Beth? I screwed up again like I always do. And I need you to help me figure it out. Again. What happened? The film doesn't tell us what happened. However, it's kind of implied. In fact, the film doesn't outright say what these women are talking about. However, I do believe that the basic implication is that uh, Rhodey's sister has had some abortions. In fact, it's they've had at least one other abortion. And unless I'm reading it wrong, it sounds like maybe even more than one, which actually is kind of outlandish. A lot of people don't normally get that many abortions or at least try not to. I don't know how relevant it is to the themes, but just for plot purposes, I'll let you know. A set, um, or to keep people who don't, plan on seeing the movie but still want to hear about this in the loop essentially uh there's an earthquake because i assume we're in california you know liberal capital of america according to conservatives or whatever and uh, essentially it opens up a hole in the ground which leads to a hidden uh vault which contains a bunch of stuff the church did not want to get out including one of the three books of the dead and some recordings of a priest reading them books of the dead. So kids find the book of the dead. And now the one kid who's a DJ, he wants to listen to the records. So he goes and he puts them on first record, not a big deal, but the second record contains the pre a recording of the priest saying the magic words. That's that, that's that opened the book. Which, in hindsight, now that I'm thinking about it, why would the priest not destroy that one? Why would he even want that one to exist? That doesn't make any. That doesn't make any sense. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, it's clever while it's happening in the movie, and I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. But now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, why didn't? The, why, why would the priest leave that recording? The movie also, I will say also, there's one thing I don't know if I understand it. The movie shows a lot of exit signs. Um, which is interesting. I'm not sure what that's about. It feel, I mean, it's clearly intentional. I just don't know what the meaning is supposed to be. But the record plays, an evil spirit is summoned and the evil spirit possesses their mom in a violation scene similar to the one in the woods of the original, uh, the original uh, Evil Dead where the woman gets raped by a tree. So this time it's in an elevator 
and it's a little bit more subtle. It's a little bit more subtle than the tree rape. But we'll get back to that point. Just for right now, consider the fact that a rape is, a, is one of the major reasons put forward for why a person would want to get an abortion, and a really great reason at that. So the mom gets possessed by the demon and comes back to the kids and her family, you know, to murder them. I mean, like, right there is a big thing. Like, the whole movie is just a woman trying to murder her own children. I mean, she's possessed by a demon, but let's put that in your head. But when we first come back to the mom, she is throwing a bunch of eggs in a frying pan, willy-nilly. Some of them on the floor. One of the eggs has blood in it. Just puts a spatula in and starts scraping it around as if performing an abortion. Huh? beautiful dream. We were together sitting in a tall forest. The wind was clean and the birds were singing the sweetest melody. Mel. Melodies? It was the perfect day. And all I could think about was how much I wanted to cut you all open and climb inside your body so that we could stay one happy family. Note the term, crawl inside your bodies. Mother starts convulsing, drops the eggs on the floor. It's me. Mother mother's breaks her consciousness briefly to say it's in me and then the demon takes back over there's a lot of scenes in this movie also where like when people first get possessed they like vomit up what almost looks like semen uh and then they and, and then they're just possessed at a certain point in the movie a character who when they believed the sister has died for some reason it's worth noting that the first turning of a possession of a person, the movie takes a lot longer than the following possessions. Um, and they also seem to die before the possession takes hold. While she is dead, a, one of their neighbors asks if they may pray for her. And the, and the sister, Rhodey's sister says about her now possessed sister, she's not religious. Guy prays anyways, by the way. So once again here, we're reinforcing the concept that religious things are at play, but also that the family is not religious. I'm burning alive. 
Yeah, the, the movie also features a phone call from her sister in hell where she's burning alive, assumingly, assumedly for being a non-believer living a semi-alternative lifestyle. And by alternative, I don't mean gay. I mean, like, just not a square. There's a sequence where she first comes out of the possession, where she's starting to come into her possession, I should say, maybe, then out of, where she is initially shaking and running an incredibly high fever. They take her and put her in a bathtub where we get a number of shots where she's sort of flailing around in, in the liquid. Could this be an allusion to uh, a baby in the womb before she like aggressively jumps off and clings to the ceiling? Is this potentially some type of weird birth sequence? Not sure. It's not my fault, Richard. Get away from her, Bridge. What's happening to me, sweetheart? Oh no, Mom. I do. I'm free now. In the sequence where she first starts attacking people, she uses. She, as you just heard, she talks to her daughter, Bridget, about how now she is free. The implication being free of them. Become all you titty-sucking parasites. Yep, you heard it there. Titty-sucking parasites. In fact, right here, what we have is almost like a very uncharitable bad faith interpretation of leftist statements about abortion. Essentially, the concept of a of a fetus being a type of parasite on the woman if she does not want it there. Of course, this is a bad faith interpretation of this argument because it compares, you know, uh, living born children to a fetus. During this attack, the mother takes a uh, tattoo gun and, uh, a and attempts to stab her, stab her daughter with it. Now, the first of the children to turn, because yes, she does success, because yes, if you haven't seen the movie, she does successfully kill uh, some of her children. But Bridget, like I was saying, is the first person to turn uh, out of her kids. And, and by turn, I mean be possessed. There's like a... The Evil Dead movies always had sort of a gray area between possession and being a zombie. Now... When we meet Bridget, she is eating glass. I gotta kill the creepy crawlies that I got inside my tongue. inside my tummy. <laughs> Do you want to bet? All right. So, right there, we got uh, some pretty interesting lines. Now, when Bridget turns, the first thing that happens is she vomits up a bunch of bugs. 
Instead, she doesn't want the creepy crawlies in her tummy, which is why she's eating the glass to kill the creepy crawlies in her tummy. That's the side note. You, you, you couldn't see it, but the visual where she eats the glass, that's pretty, that's pretty uncomfortable. But as you may have noticed, a lot of more references to the fact that her aunt is pregnant. And I am now beginning to wonder in hindsight whether or not Bridget may potentially be uh, pregnant. Um, after all, earlier in the movie, if you've seen the movie, you know, uh, she has an interesting encounter with some of the neighbor boys um, who, who come over to hang out with her and she kind of blows them off. And her younger sister goes, your boyfriends are weird. Is it possible that uh, she fooled around? I assume with the older one and possibly maybe pregnant now? I don't know, but she's the one who gets killed with the baby stick. You know, the one with the head? Well, she doesn't kill her. She comes back because the possessed people are pretty unkillable. But uh, it goes right through her mouth and at the back of her neck, uh, which I'm now wondering is maybe that's a reference to, to oral sex. I don't know. The next thing I think is is worthy of note is that uh, their aunt Beth has to go listen to the recordings of, uh, well, decides to listen to, I don't, I think they just listened to the third one uh, of the priest uh, talking. Uh, he, sh he really should have destroyed that second disc. Uh, record. After hiding the cellar for a night, I knew only one choice remained. Complete bodily dismemberment. Now, I think that's important because bodily dismemberment is something that a lot of pro-lifers like to talk about when they're describing abortions. This isn't technically, I haven't found any evidence of what this is actually like. Uh, most abortions apparently take place at a point where you can just stick a tube in there and vacuum it all up. I, I Googled it a minute ago. Um, I guess technically the fetus is being dismembered. But I, once again, I think this could be a potential, you know, bad faith thing. No pun intended. What with the context of the film? The next thing that happens, I feel of note, is that of course, uh, the there are more encounters with the mom. I left out a whole, I, I didn't really have any commentary on the fact that she kills all the neighbors in the hallway pretty uh pretty brutally um but uh because i don't know I, I maybe i'm missing some thematic element there but i don't, i don't think it's important to my point that i'm making here this is more about making a point than you know just spoiling this movie is is uh the second fight beat down between the two sisters is uh is one where essentially the evil one gets on top of beth and uh, does this, or essentially, you won't be able to see it. So she, well, she's smelling her, and then she sticks her hand into her to her to her stomach. Not like into it, but like, like, like if you were gonna grab, I don't know how to describe it. Like she doesn't pierce the skin, but like her fingers definitely, her fingernails definitely dig in to the skin.
souls. Please. Ellie waits in help for you and your unborn bastard baby. confirms an interesting fact about the universe which is that apparently this confirm this potentially points to the idea i mean because beth isn't showing so this is still early in the pregnancy uh that a fetus has a soul i uh i do believe the bible implies that breath start that life starts at first breath uh the greeks thought it took us took a whole week to grow a soul uh so the greeks had real late-term abortion like literally you have like six days to decide if you still want to keep the baby um after it's born <sighs> fucking greeks man uh but so that's an interesting moment here that i think goes along with what i'm trying to say course you know she does well in the fight she manages to uh fend off her sister uh, and have this exchange with the little girl are you gonna be a mom yes and i'm getting us out of here Band. she chooses life right there of course they try to run they have problems with you know escaping now all their uh zombified neighbors who appear to be under the control of uh of the main demon here and they try to get away in the elevator uh what happens is as they're going down, I know this is the same elevator where the initial uh, demonic violation occurred. But now, so on their way down the elevator, it fills with blood. And then when it gets to the bottom, it essentially explodes and they are ejected from the elevator in a fountain of blood. Waterfall, stream, rushing river of blood. Is that, what is this moment? Is it a birth? Is it a miscarriage? Is it an abortion? It could be anything. If I go with the pro-life option, I would guess this is a birth. Miscarriage, not sure. Pro-choice, wait. No, they survive. So if this is a pro-choice reading of it, it might be that they get the abortion that therefore get to live. I don't know. But of course, what follows is a final showdown in the car park. During the final confrontation, we see the new form of the demon people who have all horrifically bonded together into one multi-armed, multi-headed, wild thing that preambulates towards them. With the final conflict involving pushing this hideous demon creature into a wood chipper that then he sprays it out all over all over the parking lot in what could be viewed as you know 
sort of like a vacuuming scene because they are pulled into the wood chipper. Of course, it also features the eye, an iconic chainsaw, which can you even do an Evil Dead movie without a chainsaw? Can you? I don't think you can. It's one of the things that make it Evil Dead. And then, of course, her and the little girl, Beth and the little girl flee, assumedly her becoming her niece's new mom. Living on the road uh, as a roadie, I assume. Because, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good job if you're someone who just fled a unexplainable mass murder. Best case scenario for them, building that's been condemned is destroyed before anyone notices. Well, except for that woman at the end who did notice and got possessed and then turned out to be the people from the beginning of the movie? What? The world and the events might still happen? What? No, I'm kidding. I, I... But I said, so this seems pretty pro-lifey, in my opinion. Um, and it's a weird time in our country to have a horror movie with a strongly pro-life message. You know what I'm saying? It feels weird. Also, if it is a pro-life message, it's not. It's got a huge gaping narrative flaw that is just tied heavily into the fact that this is an evil dead movie. Which essentially means, like I said, the scene in the elevator, basically, the wires come out, restrain her, and then the demon metaphor well technically i was gonna say metaphorically enters her but technically they do enter her it's just metaphorically rape and then the demon proceeds to be the one trying to murder the children now the thing about this is is it means that the situation that's occurring is that this monster actually does contain a parasitic entity that does Need that you definitely want to have removed and or killed if possible. So do you see how that doesn't jive with all the other weird pro-life stuff? Does the movie think it's pro-life or does it think it's pro-choice? That's the other question. It's totally possible that the makers of this movie intended it to be read one way and, you know, through inept uh, subtext writing, made it seem more like it goes the other way. It's a shame, too, because the overtext works. The main text, not the overtext. The main text works as a horror movie. It's a little clunky in places, sure. But the main text as an Evil Dead movie is fine. It's just, it's just all the weird abortion shit that feels fucking weird. Thank you for listening to Ruben Uncut. I, of course, am Ruben. If you enjoyed what you heard here today and or tonight, uh, please like subs and subscribe wherever you are listening. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Ruben Uncut at G... Oh, wait, I'm about to give you my Gmail. But you should write me on my Gmail at RubenUncut at gmail.com. But you should also check out Ruben Uncut on the YouTubes. All right. Thank you for watching. 
listening, I decided to make this an audio podcast uh, because uh, when I started recording it, I didn't realize that uh, HBO Max, I mean, sorry, Max, I can't believe you were dumb enough to think that HBO was the problem with your branding like half the reason most people own HBO Max and the other half is, you know, the Snyder Cut. So please do like and subscribe wherever you are. Yeah, well, wonderful, wonderful, whatever.